From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Project podcast. This one, episode 246, we're diving into two questions sent in from you guys. The first pertaining to health anxiety and the perspective of someone with health anxiety. Why does someone narrow their focus in on their symptoms and how can one break out of that narrow-mindedness? And then the second question is pertaining to toxic relationships how one knows when their friend, their relative, their partner is toxic to them, how can one break out of that relationship, and when is the right time to do so? The first question from Nicole, she says, how can one break out of their health anxiety loop? And I think the best way, Nicole, to address this question is to talk about the mindset of someone with health anxiety. This is so important because the sufferer, they see the world through the lens, this narrow perspective, this lens of the unknown that has arisen in their lives. Now, the unknown, it's like the snake slithering into the garden How do you divert your attention away from this snake? You look at it, you stare at it, it has your attention. It's like the chimpanzees who hit the trees when a snake slithers into their environment and they literally stare at this thing, at this snake for hours. As long as the snake's around, they will stare at it. And I think this is so important to know when it comes to health anxiety is that when the unknown arises, heart palpitations, weird, unusual, disturbing, and and uncomfortable sensations arise, you can't help but pay attention to it. And I think that everything, at this point, everything that has been deemed irrelevant before is now relevant because now your anxiety system is on. It's on high alert. And you're in a place you do not understand and you need to be hyper-focused and hyper-aware in order to navigate yourself out of this state of novelty. And that's really important to understand. It's the snake opening up the eyes of Adam and Eve in the walled paradise, right? The Garden of Eden. Or in Siddhartha's story, in the Buddha story, similar idea here where Siddhartha grew up in comfort. He literally grew up in a Garden of Eden, right? A walled paradise. Something that was safe, secure, no suffering, no decay, no truth that re- of reality within those walls but then the thing about reality it always slithers in no matter how wo- big the walls are no matter how secure you make your safe place reality creeps in it will creep in so imagine 
you stay home because you have a fear of fear itself. That's agoraphobia, right? You don't want to venture out into the world because you may experience heart palpitations and then you may experience dizziness or you might experience the loss of control and you'll be around other people and then you'll have the fear of being judged by other people. And so, yeah, you confine yourself into the safety of your home. But at this point, what happens? Well, you start, well, the more you neglect yourself, the more the snake slithers in. You'll wake up in the morning feeling awful, even in your own bed. It's like there's no escaping pain and suffering. The realities of life are going to manifest itself wherever you are. And so in the Buddha story, Siddhartha, hyper aware, he suffers from PTSD when he encounters death and decay. But what does he do? It, it traumatizes him. But that obsessive focus over disease and decay, it, it sparks this drive within him to understand it more. And that's what happened with me in my anxiety recovery. It drove me to understand anxiety more. I started to read about it. I started to study. I started to look at people who overcame anxiety. What did they do? How do you transcend suffering? Really? And that's the Buddha story. That's why that Buddha, that's why that story is utterly profound. An encounter with one snake can produce many other snakes. Because think about this. It's not just the snake of reality, but it's also the snake within you. What if you discovered the snake within your own heart by doing something that shocks you, that you couldn't believe, right? And an example of this is you betray your partner by cheating. Okay, so you cover up the snakes, the problems of your relationship and the the problems in your life by fulfilling des- desires, right? So this desire of sleeping with somebody you you find attractive. And then what happens? So other snakes arise from this act. What if she finds out? What if your partner finds out? I have to hide it. I have to cover all my tracks. What if this person develops feelings for me and seeks me out and then my partner finds out? What if I contract a disease from this fling? What if she gets pregnant? I can't trust myself. I can't trust other people. Do I even want to be with the partner I am with because I cheated on them? The problems that initiated the cheating get covered up by more problems and this generates so many problems that your stress response is continuously active. You're like the chimp obsessing over the snake. It's like, but not only is it one snake at this point, now there's 15 Now there's 20. It's too much to contend with. So now you're in bed and you can't get out of bed. There's too much. So the rug gets 
pulled out from under you and you get thrown into the underworld. And I think the same goes with someone close to you who contracts an illness, maybe dies, maybe you contract an illness, or maybe it's it's just the unknown of the heart palpitation, this, this sudden realization that you yourself are vulnerable. You thought you were immortal up t- till this point. You thought life was good and, and easy and fun and this and that, and all of a sudden you wake up with a certain sensation and you go, whoa, that's not good. Um, maybe I'm not as healthy or I'm not as certain about this life as I thought I was, and that opens your eyes. That's the reality of life coming in. And so your present is not what you thought. Your past is not what you thought, and your future looks to be uncertain. And so you're in a heightened state of anxiety because now you have to navigate through this and how the heck are you going to do that there's just so much everything's relevant at this point so much information is bombarding you on a day-to-day basis you're emotionally drained everything is out of whack you're in complete unknown and also a major factor to consider is the superego freud coined the term superego as being this outside influence, culture, society, influencing your parents and your parents being a part of that influence and, you know, your parents uh, um, becoming, what's the word here? They are a part of that influence from the superego, from society, and then that influences you. And so as you grow up, your parents are your models, no matter if they are toxic or not, they influence you. You're like a sponge. You absorb them. You look up to them as a way to be in the world. Maybe they themselves obsess. Maybe they're paranoid over their symptoms. Maybe they couldn't handle the chaos of life and they they taught you how to handle the chaos of life in the same manner they handled it, but in the way they handled it, was not so healthy, was not so productive. It was not the solution, the real positive solution to deal with chaos. And so now that you're older, you have certain ways of acting when unknown the unknown pops up. It's like the child who is eating dinner and there's a spider in the room and the mother father reacts to the spider with extreme disgust and they're afraid and they freak out they yell and they scream and the child you know but before they they do that the child looks at the spider and then looks at the parent right like how do i respond to this how do i respond to this thing the mother responds with screaming yelling they're afraid, they're disgusted, they don't want to touch it. And then the, fra- the the child understands, okay, well, that's how I should respond to the, something like that or that creature, that spider. So that's really interesting to think about. So now that you're older, it's really important to, to understand how you act in times of the unknown and then what you need to do, what 
how how to act when the unknown pops up. So what is the proper way of acting? So that means having an, a role model you look up to that acts the way you want to act, that re- it resonates with you. I mean, so many people come to my channel or even coaching and they'll say, Brad, I resonated with what you're saying. And I'm like, well, what is it that's resonating with you? What's speaking to you? And they're like, well, it just feels right. It feels like I already know this, but you, you say it in a way that brings, shines a light on, on something that has been kind of pushed deep and, and unacknowledged within me. And I say, well, that makes a lot of sense, but there's, but it's also this attraction and it's this attraction that I notice within me when I related to somebody on YouTube who went through the suffering I was going through. They found meaning. They found a path forward. They built upon a structure. And I think this is really important because we all need a structure. Buddha was looking for that very structure. He's like, well, I have to find out how to transcend suffering. If suffering is a part of life, then how does one confront it? But that's not even the question. How does one even manage it? And then he later finds out, well, you have to confront it. You can't ignore it. You have to shine a light on it. You, ha- you can't live in unconsciousness. Being in walled paradise for a long time is being in being in this unconscious state of mind, um, naive, vulnerable, bliss, happiness. It's like, yeah, that's fleeting. (laughs) That's fleeting because everybody, every human being on this planet, they understand that happiness, bliss, comfort that doesn't last very long and it's really fascinating for me to see in today's culture how this he hedonistic lifestyle way of living oh live in the moment yolo eat junk food how junk food is being promoted like mad it's it's so unbelievable to me or you get the idea it's like or even being overweight is now being projected as something beautiful oh you're okay the way you are it's like no you're not okay the way you are because if you're suffering that's that's a clear indication that you're not okay the way you are and that change is possible. Like when I found out that I could change if I wanted to, because I really thought I couldn't change. But when I found out from other people who really made a change in their lives that you can do it, that you just need to take these steps, there there is a path. I was like, oh my God, that's a relief because I don't want to be the way that I am. I'm suffering every day. So it's no joke. Life is full of suffering. Your daily habits, 
may be producing more harm than good in your life. And talking to so many people suffering from anxiety, they view themselves as weak, vulnerable, fragile creatures. And it makes sense. And so how do you shift this perspective? Because this is a very interesting perspective. I think health anxiety is a sign that the way you're functioning in the world right now, it's not good enough and it needs to be updated, that you need to reconstitute your mode of being. You need a new frame of reference. And you have to make certain sacrifices on a daily basis that promote the identity you want to embody. So you have to have a vision of what this identity is. And you can't have this vision if you stay in your narrow-minded perspective and you continue to focus on your suffering day in and day out. So if you worry about your health, but you still smoke cigarettes, this is a really good example, perhaps... The fact that you view yourself as weak, fragile, and unhealthy is because that there is this internal feeling. There's this internal thought. Maybe that it's a voice. Usually it's a voice or feeling that is saying to you this behavior isn't such a good idea. It's, it's, what, it, what is it? What's the reward it's producing for you? Why are you smoking? And, and that's a whole nother journey in and of itself. But for somebody who asks me, well, Brad, where do I start? I have, so, like, the dragon is too big for me right now. The garden in my mind is has overgrown. Where do I begin? And I say, well, for me, and I've noticed with many people, you have to start with one thing that you know that you would like to stop doing, but you can't seem to stop. And then you have to ask yourself, well, what would happen if I don't stop doing it? Well, if I don't stop eating sugar, this was a conversation I had with myself, then I'm, my body will continue to be inflamed. My body will still f- crash at 2 p.m. My body, illnesses, diseases could accumulate. And then what also helped with that was reading about sugar, reading a book that pertained to diet helped, it helped make this aim more detailed. It was very pixelated because we all start off with a vague goal of where we want to go. But then the more you study it, the more you read other people who pursued this aim, the more you go, well, that makes sense. I never thought about pornography that way, or I never thought about sugar that way, or cigarettes that way. God, I got to quit, man, because that's horrible. So attaching a lot of pain to staying where you are with the behavior and a lot of pleasure to the growth, where are you going to end up? A year from now, if you pursued this goal, oh my God, if I did that, how would I feel? What would I look like? My skin might be better or, you know, I, I might feel healthier. I'd sleep better. Maybe I'll breathe more deeply. 
And so you have to take that jump into the unknown because it is a jump into the unknown. But you also have to say, well, the pain that I'm experiencing right now is so bad that, well, the pain that I'm experiencing right now is so bad that this change, this jump into the unknown of quitting cigarettes is necessary for me. Uh, like I have so much motivation to do that. So what's your motivation? You have to make it clear. You have to write these questions down, sit with yourself, answer them, and buy books. Buy or look at videos of people, watch videos of people who stop smoking cigarettes and learn from their experience. This is th one big thing I learned from watching videos of men who went on this pornography recovery journey. I admired the, the shift in their health, mental health, physical health, when they went through this journey. And you have to learn from these people. Read about them, uh, watch them, listen to them. But that's what you need to do. If your vision is, well, life's cruel, I can't change, and you're focused so intently on suffering, make the aim now. Make your vision How could things be better for me? Create a vision board. Write it out. Watch people read books. The next question comes from Leonard. Could you point out the signs of a toxic relationship and why they should be sacrificed? This is a really good question because I have experience in this and um, I continue to have experience in this. This is something I contended with for a long time. These are really big questions I was wrestling with for years. And so the first thing I want to point out, the first sign that a relationship is toxic is that they become a record where the majority of the time they speak of their problems and how they have it bad. So when I say record, I mean, it's a record that continues to replay the same story. You're around them. They continue to point out their past that you already know of, but they just can't help but talk about it. Talk about how much they have it bad. And it, it's continuous. You know, there's no problem. There's no issue in a friend coming to you and saying, well, I have a problem and I need help. And that makes sense. Like, obviously, I'm not saying, oh, they're a toxic relationship because they have a problem. I'm saying over a long period of time, they continue to tell the same story. And I think that these people, I've noticed, use their problem as a means to gain attention. And it makes them feel heard. It makes them feel appreciated. And 
the more that they unload these problems, the more they are withdrawing from your bank account, your emotional bank account. We all have an emotional bank account. So for example, Maggie and I's emotional bank account, it's strong because our relationship is built on trust. It's built on, yeah, I would say, I would just leave it at trust. And I feel like if I were to betray that trust once, there's enough, I can withdraw a little bit of that emotion and then I have to rectify it and I have to, you know, I have to uh, make things right. But if I were to continuously take, withdraw from Maggie's emotional bank account, there's, she's going to get to a point where she's going to know, well, Brad's continuously lying. Brad's continuously neglecting his household duties. Brad is continuously even neglecting his own health, right? It's, it's very interesting to think about it that way. And a friend can do that. A relative can do that. A partner can do that, right? And if they continuously withdraw too much, then they're going to come to you with another problem and you're just, you're going to be more annoyed than I would say humble or encouraged to help. They're going to feel like a burden at this point. You're going to react to them in a very negative, reflexive way rather than in a very curious and loving way. And another sign that someone is toxic is that they have a hard time adapting to social situations. So I've been around negative people who go off on these angry tangents. And I'm a, it's a social gathering. And they go off on these angry tangents. And the other people in the gathering, they look uneasy. And they look uncomfortable. You just have to look at them. And they look uncomfortable. But the unconscious person doing the, ta the tangent, they can't read the situation. And they don't understand when to stop. They can't read it. And also, some people want to be treated differently than others. And those egoic, self-centered, unconscious people, they can't adapt to the desires of those people. They can't adapt to social situations. They're very awkward. It's like they're outside of the game, right? We're all playing this social game and they're awkward. They can't read the situation. They're saying things that are absurd or offensive and they have no filter and they can't read the situation at all. And they continue to do that over time. Knowing, like, these are, these are all signs of toxic relationships. 
but also understand that they're patterns, right? They're patterns. If the pattern continues, the more they withdraw from your emotional bank account. And it got to a point for me when I was hanging around toxic friends, I was in stress mode most of the time rather than comfortable. And that's a big realization. How do I feel when I'm around this person? Yeah, I feel like I'm just at a heightened sense all the time. They say stupid things. They, they're too loud in public. They're, they're offensive. They're crude. They're bitter. They're resentful. They're just 90% of the time they're complaining and they're, they're bitter about their relationships or their job or whatever it is all the time. And this is the biggest point right here. They don't admit that they are the problem and that they need help. They don't admit that. You can't force them to change, by the way. You can't force them. But you have to draw boundaries or they will walk all over you. Okay, I'll give you an example of that. I've had friends call me up in the middle of the night saying, well, I'm depressed. I, I don't know what to do. I feel like killing myself. I, or they're drunk and they're, they're, they're sloppy. And it's like, yeah, one time you helped them. And I did. You helped them. The second time, yeah, you helped them. But you tell them, hey, man, it's not okay that you need to help yourself. The third time, well, you have to draw boundaries and say, hey, you calling me up at 2 a.m. drunk and unhappy, bitter, that's not okay. You don't do that. And you have to tell them that. And then they go, oh, okay, that's where I, I went too far. They have to know when they have gone too far. They need to know that. Or you're just going to be, the, be this too agreeable person where they end up using you for attention, for reassurance. And that's not really going to help them, is it? Because real help comes from when they go, okay, yeah, I actually have a problem here. I, I need help. Uh, can you help me? Um, I, I need to change. And I think another great way to approach this is you change yourself. Be the example. Go on a diet. Start to meditate. Quit marijuana. Sacrifice sugar. Do these things. Start to read. Start to listen to an informative podcast. And then maybe they'll catch on. Or maybe a good sign that they are really toxic, they try and pull you back into your old ways. They say, hey, Brad, come have a beer. Why you, you know, you got to treat yourself. And they, they force cake on you. They force a cigarette on you. They force alcohol on you. They force things on to you. And that comes back to the boundaries issue. You have to put your foot down and say, no. This is what I want. If you really care about me, then you have to let 
this go. I'm not doing that. And when you really say no and mean it, the other person understands that there's no way that they can persuade you into doing what they want you to do. So change yourself. Be the example. Maybe they will latch on to your growth and your new health. Maybe they will, but maybe they won't. And that's also a good sign that maybe this relationship is not so good for you. And that's where I'm going to leave you on this podcast episode. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Please rate and support this podcast. You can do that by just going to Spotify. It takes one second. Just leave a rating there. And I'd really appreciate that. I always look to see if you guys have been rating it. So I always acknowledge the fact that you guys do that. I, I really appreciate that. Um, it means the world to me. Rise above anxiety. I'll see you next time. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.